Hello, my name is Yemi. And my name is Ichoma. And together we host Africa in My Kitchen, a podcast that is produced by Tunuka Media. This fun podcast explores meals from each country in Africa. We talk about the country, discuss the meal itself, and draw from our experiences to share why we are, or are not, excited about the meal. A new episode airs every two weeks. So John is for the hits, the misses, the laughs, and the cringes as we eat our way across the continent. Come back often, share with your friends, and add the podcast to your regular podcast rotation wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, it's time for this week's episode. Hello, hello, hello. We hope you're doing well, friends. Yes, and happy two months to the end of 2020. I believe it's already... 2020 has felt like five years. Yeah, I've aged, I've aged in this one year. I feel like I've gone through every emotional spectrum and it's every ridiculous. every maturity level that is possible. <laughs> I've learned Emotion- about myself. I found myself lost again and refound myself. Again. Like it's it's anyway, and that's just one aspect, right? No, 2021 has to come with like terms and conditions. I need to know what I'm getting into before. Like we, we need to sign, aspect. you know. We need like a preview because if 2021 is going to be a message, just move on to 2022. And you guys, please, nobody throw any, nobody should throw shit at 2020 on December 31st so that 2021 doesn't screw us over. Exactly. I think just, that's what we did. Yeah, just say 2020 has been a year of growth and elevation. Mm-hmm. Whatever big English word you want to use or whichever language you speak, just mm-hmm. a way to make 2020 feel good so that 2020 doesn't curse us as we're going into 2020. Seriously. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So today, after many, many, many months, we are once again in North Africa. We are in Egypt and talking about a dish called kushari. This is only the second North African country we are covering. I believe the first one was in Algeria in our very first episode back in March. How long ago was that? That was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like 20 years ago, doesn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. So we'll kick it off with an Egyptian proverb that says, experience will show you, a master can only point the way. There is absolutely no lie in that proverb. No matter how much information you're armed with, experience will really be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Egyptian civilization is one of the oldest in the world, dating back to at least 3000 BC. Over 100 million people live in Egypt and it is the third most populous country in Africa. It is bordered by Libya, Sudan, Israel and the Gaza Strip, the Gulf of Aqaba, and the Red Sea. The capital city is Cairo. Cairo is the third largest city in the continent and the largest in the Arab world. The official language is Arabic, but English and some indigenous languages are spoken in the country as well. So because of Egypt's location and its immigration history, Egyptian cuisine has many influences from the Mediterranean. So in Egyptian food, you can find Greek, Italian, Ottoman, and Arabic elements. You'll find your flatbreads, cheeses, vegetables, meats like lamb and chicken. There are also a lot of sweet desserts. Like looking up the food, I was very excited because you just see like an explosion of color when you go Google images for Egyptian cuisine. Yes. And they have lots of variety, but the most random things. So for instance, you have fulma damis. Mm-hmm. I apologize, my Egyptian friends, if I massacre any of your words. Fulma damis which is very popular in Egypt. It's 
fava beans and you flavor it with cumin, oil, parsley, lemon juice, and some veggies. That sounds good. And then it, does, it sounds good? It sounds glorious. Like, it oh. sounds really good. Yeah, because you love beans. I'm okay with it. I do. I like the next thing though, Gebna Maklea, which is oven fried cheese. I saw this and I was just so happy. Gebna Maklea, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's Molokia, which is like a green soup made from jute leaves. If you're from Nigeria, for instance, we call it Ewedu. So it's the same leaf, Molokia. And then there is Macaroni Bechamel. I think this is part of their Italian influence. So they actually have a pasta bechamel dish. So it's like macaroni two layers of macaroni with a layer of beef in between and it's smothered in bechamel sauce. That sounds amazing, guys. There's a variety of other things. There's a rice and fish dish. They have pita bread stuffed with stuffed with their minced meat and onions. Just lots of fun food, guys. So if you're ever in Egypt, try out the food. Alrighty, let's get to koshari. So the good news is that koshari is very easy to make. Koshari is a feature dish. Yes, yes. The not so great news is that you need to wash multiple pots. Like, I think like four pots. This is because koshari is a mix of rice, elbow macaroni, chickpeas, lentils, fried onions, with the tomato sauce and the cumin sauce. And you make all these things separately. Oh, that's interesting. So when we looked into this dish, our research showed us that koshari is believed to have originated in India and was brought over by the British to Egypt in the late 19th century and was then derived from there. It is believed that the word koshari comes from the Hindu word kritri. The original kitri is made from rice and lentils. It is believed that the Italian community in Egypt adopted the dish and then added pasta. Yes. Good job, guys. Eventually, the beans and chickpeas and cumin sauce were also added, and it became the dish that is known today. Koshari is considered to be the national dish of Egypt. It's a pretty big deal, and our research showed you can find it in Egyptian homes and outside as street food, and also in restaurants in Egypt. They actually have restaurants that specialize in making koshari. And when I saw that, I actually started wondering, since you have the basics of koshari, how what separates one restaurant's koshari from another? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it must be the way the flavor sources. It's kind of like how you would go somewhere and say, why, why is one person's jollof rice different from another? Or why is one person's mac and cheese so much better than this other one? Sometimes it's just the mm. ingredients, how they're made. Maybe one adds more salt and the other one. I don't know. Well, no, it's, and I think we'll, we'll go into this more because they don't have as many spices going into any of the sauces. The ingredients for the sauces seem pretty standard. Right, where I say if you're doing something like jollof rice, some people could add curry, some people could add thyme, some people. So I wonder if there are differences like that because the recipes I found were kind of similar and nothing really asked for anything additional compared to another. Because if it had, I would have been there stressed out trying to find, okay, this one says add this, this one says add that. How do I compromise by adding half of each and each and each of these recipes? And then create your own dish while you're doing that. Yeah, I know I do that sometimes. Anyhow. So back to koshari, it's pretty much a dish where you assemble all the elements together before you eat it. So you boil your macaroni in a pot, you know, standard the way you would boil your, your macaroni normally, typically elbow macaroni. You boil your lentils, you boil your rice, you boil your chickpeas, everything separated. Um, then you fry, you deep fry your onions. So you slice your onions into thin rings and then you fry until it's crispy. And then you make your cumin sauce on the side, the cumin sauce consists mostly of salt, cumin, vinegar, and garlic. 
and it's really easy to make. You're done making the mix in like five to 10 minutes. And then it's the same thing with the tomato sauce. So a lot of the time you can just use canned tomato sauce, flavor it with a little bit of salt and pepper and cook it. And you know what you just said just triggered something in our last discussion because it is possible that's the difference could be the, the way one person makes their tomato sauce versus the other one as well, right? So that's think, a good point. Yeah, little thing a big point. difference. Yeah. I think one thing I really liked about the dish is the fact that it's very personal. It feels very personal when you're doing it. So each person or each place I saw each picture I found online kind of assembled it in a different way. Some put it in some kind of mason jar and they layered it on top. Some, really? Yes, I did. Some had a flat plate and then you put the individual ingredients by the side, um, put the sauce on top and then sprinkle the crispy onions on top of it. And so each one seemed to be almost artistic. It, it feels very personal to me. Like some have a round plate and they do it in different rings. And what they do is that they put you know, in different layers, you know, the rice, the macaroni, the chickpeas, the lentils, and the fried onions. And it doesn't even have to be in that order. You can kind of mix and match, but don't mix till you take a picture. Because if you didn't take a picture of the food, did you really eat? Yes, you oh. did. No. Well, you know what's funny? Speaking about, speaking about um, assembling koshari, something really creepy happened to me. It, it might not be creepy to a lot of people, but so guys, I got a new phone recently and I've not been able to shut up about it because I had this really... Hallelujah. Hush. I had this really old phone from like 2015. And so I got this new phone and it's amazing. First of all, I'm terrible at taking pictures, but this one has something called stabilization, which I didn't know was a thing. So I don't have to worry. Even when I'm taking crappy pictures, it just somehow, my hands don't shake. I haven't taken one blurred picture. No one has told me to wipe my lens. Anyway, I digress. I almost wrote a letter to Google to thank them for their new phone. But here's the thing that creeped me out. So I took a picture of, actually, no, I took a picture of Koshari after I made it and assembled it on my old phone, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. the pictures were transferred to my new phone. And my new phone is a Google phone and it has this feature called Google Lens, mm -hmm. right? So when I transferred the picture and took a look at it, I clicked on Google Lens wondering what it what it did. Google Lens basically goes online and identifies what your food is. And it came back and said, Koshari. And yeah. I freaked out. <laughs> really? I freaked out. Like it didn't say rice or peas or something. Because I think I had assembled the dish kind of similar to a picture I saw online. And yeah. so it pulled that picture and was like Egyptian cuisine, Koshari. And I was- good job. Pardon? That means we did a good job. Or that Google is watching me. Um, Google is watching you. That is like, I, well, I know in theory they are, but that freaks me. I turned off. It was almost like, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Then I dropped my phone and I turned it off <laughs> because my first reaction was there are demons in my phone. I'm not lying. And then I thought later, okay, let's think this through logically. It's mining stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Google is actually pretty cool. So even if you're going on tour or something, it's when a lot you, of perspective, it is pretty cool. So if you take, for example, a picture of an object or like a historical site or something, and you tap on Google Lens, it kind of gives you web pages about it. So you can on the spot read, oh, this was blah, 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 da, da, da. And, and it, then Google can also tell that you went there, but that's okay. It can, let's let we digress. But okay, sorry. Let's tell, it can it. tell you go anywhere right now because your maps is probably on and your geolocation is already on. So yeah, yeah. always turn it off. But anyhow, moving on, guys, that was my Koshari story with my new yeah. phone. 
I do have a Koshari story, but I will share it after we talk about the original recipe. Okay. So we kind of riffed over the original recipe. You boil everything. I'll just go over it again really quickly. You boil everything, your pasta, your your chickpeas, your macaroni, and your rice separately. Some people like to add vermicelli as well, but I don't like noodles, so we didn't do that. Um, you, You mix together your cumin sauce, which is vinegar, olive oil, cumin, water, and garlic. The cumin sauce is fantastic, by the way. And then you have your tomato sauce, which is olive oil, vinegar, tomato sauce, and garlic, and salt. And then you basically layer everything however you want to layer it or dress it up. And if you look online, you'll see different pictures of beautiful kashari. But once you're done laying out your carbs, you kind of dress your sauce over it and sprinkle with the crispy onions. Now, when I tried this dish or when I first heard of it, I was a little bit disappointed because it just seemed like a hodgepodge of leftover food, to be honest with you. I was going to say that, but, you know, I didn't want to be rude. But it did. Oh, it just seemed like there was supposed to be a party, and everybody brought the food they had at home, and they. Kept- <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. funny. Uh, no, but a lot of dishes. There are multiple dishes that started out because people were trying not to waste food. I can't. I don't know if Kashari was one of them. So initially, I was a bit disappointed because I was like, "Well, there's nothing new here. No. This is such a weird mix of things to eat together, like pasta and beans, lentils or beans and chickpeas." Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. The tomato sauce was a little bit tart for me because the recipe I followed didn't ask you to cook it down for a really long time. And so I found it a little bit sharp because Nigerian cuisine, a lot of the time you cook out the sharpness of your sauce. And I think lots of cuisine as well to round it out a bit. Um, I think if you find it a little tart, maybe continue to cook it down, I guess, to your taste. Um, but the, the sauce was a little bit it was tart, like I said, but the onions really helped to round it out. And I think the star of the dish for me was the cumin sauce. It's such a simple sauce, but when I had everything together, I was like, there it is. This is what is elevating this dish. And I like that combination of cumin, garlic, and vinegar so much that I've actually used it with other things, like added other spices to it. I use it to marinate chicken because I never really thought of vinegar and cumin as a combination that would work, but I love it. So I yeah, liked it. it was pretty good like I like that part mm. so what did you think of the dish in general so personally I, I wasn't too sold on the idea of all the combination of everything um, it seemed and I know I say this often enough that people probably think it's almost like a motto of mine but my mouth got confused my, <laughs> my taste buds got a little confused I do agree with you the cumin was really good I actually really like the tomato sauce as well Oh, but I think my favorite part was actually the onions. And I don't know why, because mixing the onions with it actually just gave it almost that. So there's the thing I like. I'm one of those people that when I want to make something fried, I fry the onions first to get the flavor into the oil. Mm, I like onions. I really like the flavor of fried onions. Mm -hmm. For me, while the cumin and the tomato were good, it was actually the onions on it that actually brought it together. Hmm. And um, what I did, which maybe it was right or wrong, I tasted the cumin and tomato in part with each of the components first. Then I mixed it together and then tasted it. So my favorite was actually the chickpeas and lentil mix with the cumin. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's because you like beans. (laughs) Oh God. 
So my favorite was the cumin and lentil together. And you would think it's really the pasta because I really like pasta. But mm-hmm. I but when I had them together, it wasn't bad. Like it was really good. But honestly, Lord help me. I just kept thinking that it felt like I was eating leftover food. The thing is that mentally I really like fresh food. I don't like eating leftovers. So in my at the back of my mind, I think it was just like a mental switch I needed to make that I didn't quite make that felt like I was eating something that you know, was all the stuff I had in my fridge joined together, which is a real possibility because I did have pasta and rice in my fridge at that exact point. <laughs> but it wasn't a bad meal. I think it was just like my headspace that needed to be a little bit clearer. But mm-hmm. I do agree with Ijama. The, the sauces, mm-hmm. fantastic. You can make, in fact, even if you try nothing else, you can make them and use them on something other than... um this particular dish especially the cumin and it's so simple it so is. simple yeah I, was so that I do have an actual leftover story from this meal which i ate today before i burnt my eyes <laughs> you you ate some kushari today i did i did it's oh, been, okay it's been a long time but it was in the freezer um so it is actual leftover at this point um, <laughs> so i had some leftover from the tasting and being myself, I didn't want to cook. So what I did was that I grabbed it and I stir fried it. Oh God. It was, it was so good though. So, so I, I have a question. What? If you stir fry kosheri, is it still kosheri? No, it's okay. yemi shari. <laughs> it look like you want to kill me, but no, it's like. I'm not going to react to that. No, you do. You, I saw your face. You really look like you were biting your lip. No, no but, words needed for that. That was just no, pathetic. I don't think it's kushari, but the kushari. Here's the thing. Another thing with the kushari is that it had no like meat or like present. <laughs> <at> the <end. laughs> that's your real problem. So don't lie. I mean, that's what the problem was. There was no meat in the dish. No, because meat or chicken or shrimp or whatever is like a present. So when you stuff out through eating the rice. You know, the <laughs> present waiting for you at the end. So when I ate it, I was like, ah, okay, something is missing. I couldn't quite figure it out. So maybe that was it. So tonight I was like, oh, wait, I have some kushari left. So what I did is that I made myself some nice shrimp, peppered shrimp, and mm-hmm. added a little bit more onion. But it wasn't stir fried in that, like it was like fried fried. It was just stir fried enough just to warm it up. So there, oh. was, there was almost no oil in it. Okay. The oil was almost non-existent. I just tossed it in the pan together with the shrimp just to get the shrimp flavor all over it okay. a little bit and then when i ate it with the pepper which before we had this recording i was running to the bathroom back and forth because i rubbed my eye with the same hand that i used to cut pepper so yeah what kind of pepper scotch bonnet pepper fun Okay. Yeah. So you said Atarodo, didn't you? Is that I what your brain was processing? Did. I almost did. I almost said it in my language. I was trying. To, I was trying to look. I said Atarodo, and then should have been like people would have been like the what now? And just like <laughs> Scotch bonnet. <laughs> you know, I had to switch to you know second language. What what does this mean in English? But yeah, <laughs> before we started this recording, so this recording started more than twenty minutes late because I was running back to the bathroom. I was like, why, why? I'm burning. My face is burning. And so Gemma was kind enough to. Point me in the milk direction. Thank you, girl. Yeah. Apparently, milk that solves your pepper problems in your stomach can also solve pepper problems in your eye. Mm-hmm. Don't, just Wait. don't put the milk directly in your eye. I don't think that's what you're supposed no, to do. Um, so that being said, when I added the shrimp, 
I liked it mm-hmm. even more. And then it felt like a whole meal. <laughs> it felt it so like I, meat ties everything together. <laughs> I was going to come back to that to explain to people because this is to some degree, I don't know if it's an African thing or a Nigerian thing where we think that a dish is not complete without meat. And it's not all Nigerians because I know some people who are perfectly fine without with eating no meat or fish in a dish or in a meal. Yeah. Um, especially if it's something like plantain and beans or whatever. But that whole concept as a child, you were giving your food and your meat or your chicken. Here, like you come here and the chicken is the is the main dish and the side is the carb. Whereas for us, the carbohydrate was the main dish and the meat was a smaller piece and it was there as well. And it was almost like your reward for having to suffer through the rice or the vegetable or the salad or whatever was placed mm-hmm. in front of you. And the meat is the reward. So that's why she keeps going on and on about how she has no reward in her food. <laughs> yeah, it almost, <laughs> almost felt unrewarding, honestly. But uh, that aside, and if I get out of my carnivorous state into a more vegetarian mindset, the meal mm-hmm. actually in itself is actually it's pretty filling it's pretty good and it's mm-hmm. i wouldn't say it's a balanced diet but it's definitely really satisfying yeah no it's it's definitely carb heavy although i don't know but the lentils are fiber and protein aren't they i'm not sure how that works mm-hmm. but you you get your protein and your carbs out of it for sure i don't know like for me i liked the dish but i don't know if i would sit down and say okay, I'm going to make a sharing. Unless I had, I was like, okay, I have rice, I have pasta. What do I make? What do I use? How do I use a piece of chickpeas? And then I might make it. However, I would like to order it. Say I went to Egypt or, or an Egyptian restaurant or anywhere that sold kashari. I would want to try it just out of curiosity to see what it would taste like in another place. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it from us today. As always, check out our blog. The link is going to be in the show notes or else just check tunukamedia.wordpress.com for pictures and more information about Egyptian cuisine. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for empathizing with me with my burnt eye. And we'll be <laughs> back with, we will be back before you know it with another dish from a new destination. Be good and stay kind. Thank you for listening, friends. As a reminder, the podcast is released every two weeks. Follow Tunuka Media on social media, including Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with us and be on the forefront of upcoming shows and program schedules. Links are in the show notes. Africa in My Kitchen is produced by Tunuka Media and co-hosted with 234 Pantry. So while on Instagram, follow my page, 234 Pantry, for more food-related content and fun facts about dishes and ingredients. Tunuka Media also produces another show called Overlooked, which I host, with more shows on the way. Like and subscribe, and if you learn something new, support the show by giving Africa in My Kitchen a high rating wherever you listen. This helps the show grow and gets more people, just like you, to learn also. So until next time, bye! bye.